David, happy December. Happy December, Todd. How are things uh, with you? They're going well. I'm like everyone else. I'm trying to get holiday shopping done and finish up things for the year. Um, as you may know, ASN's uh, fiscal year is and, and leadership year is January through December. So it's definitely a busy time between um, the end of kidney week, the holidays, and then the end of the year. So it's, it's a little crazy, if I'm being honest. Well, that sounds like uh, what we're facing in the policy world as well. There's a lot to be done before the year winds up. And uh, as always, there's a lot of things that have been held for the last minute. So I, I, I can I sympathize with that. Yeah, so where would you like to start? Well, let's start with probably some of the biggest things. And um, then we've got to we can take a look at. Um, you know, it's December and... We are in a situation where the federal government will run up against um, it, its uh, continuing resolution on December 16th, which means that after December 16th, Congress has not yet authorized any spending for the government to continue operating. That needs to be addressed before December 16th. So ASN has joined with many other healthcare groups trying to get Congress to finish its appropriations packages before that time, as opposed to just another continuing resolution. Um, we've talked about continuing resolutions before, haven't we? We have, but just as a reminder, so just just essentially, let me see if I understand it. So basically, the, the federal fiscal year started on October 1st because they hadn't, because Congress hadn't finished and the president hadn't signed all the appropriations bills, appropriating funding for that the new fiscal year, Congress has to sign basically let's continue funding at the previous year's levels kind of across the board. And they do it kind of in limited chunks, I guess, you know, through, as you said, December 16th. So what happens if, is that where we get a government shutdown if they don't um, handle the continuing resolution? Yeah, they would either have to, they would either have to like pass another continuing resolution or else they would have to um, pass the appropriations bill. Uh, and it's possible that it could be a combination. It's possible that they could pass the appropriations bill for certain agencies and have to do a, a CR for the others. Um, you know, ASN really would like to see, on the policy side, we'd really like to see them complete the appropriations packages because what a continuing resolution does is it basically, it freezes everything. And as as we all know, this has been a pretty rough year when it comes to um, inflation. So freezing everything in at you know current levels is kind of like going backwards a little bit. So we would like for them to actually get the appropriations packages done. So I guess the other part of this is currently the Democrats have thin majorities in both the House and the Senate. The Republicans will have a thin majority in the House in the next Congress, and the Democrats will either have the same situation in the Senate or they may gain a seat depending on the outcome of the special election in Georgia. So the issue for the Democrats, I would think, is you would like to pass your appropriations legislation or some sort of omnibus bill to fund the federal government through the end of September so that you don't have to worry about sort of having this discussion again in the late winter or spring. Is that a reasonable kind of summary of their perspective? It is. It is. And, you know, if you're going to be, if you're thinking about this and you're on the Republican leadership side, you might 
you know, you you might want to delay everything so you can control it when you get in, 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 in particularly in the House. Um, uh, the Senate will will stay Democrat, but uh, the leadership in the House will change over to the Republican Party. So, I mean, there's there's one level in which you might want to have your control over it beginning of the next year. There's another way in which if you're if you're a leader and you've got kind of a, a very divided group uh, within your caucus, which both Democratic and Republican parties have been experiencing that in the last couple of years, you might want to let the, the lame duck session go ahead and go forward and get these things taken care of so you don't have to deal with them right away at the beginning of uh, the year. So, you know, I mean, if you're looking at, if you're Kevin McCarthy and you're looking at where you want to go as Republicans in the House, you may not want to have this this battle over the budget and the debt ceiling also, which has got to have to be taken care of. You you might want to get that resolved so that you don't have to deal with that right away. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I would like to move to the debt ceiling next. But before we do, um, what's your prediction? Do you, What do you think, if you had to sort of prognosticate on specifically that, that CR issue, what do you think will happen? I'm betting that to some level, calmer heads prevail and we get appropriations packages passed. There's, there are some things there that I think that they see that they really do need to take care of. And that's been part of the talk. Uh, we're going to have uh, uh, my colleague Zach Cribbs back in here for another podcast shortly after uh, those deadlines passed to find out what was reserved. But we have talked about how there are certain things that I think they probably will address. Um, and exactly what they do with the debt ceiling, that one I'm not real sure about. Just so I'm clear, that the two issues here is on the one hand, Congress has to appropriate funding to keep the government functioning in the current fiscal year, which is October through September. The second issue is to do that, the government has to borrow money and there's this limit on that. So they have to extend sort of the limit for their borrowing and they have to do these sort of things kind of together. So, so is that sort of the issue here? I just want to make sure I understand how they're connected. Yeah, that that is the issue. Um, it, it, so it's not. So we've talked a lot about the public health emergency, and that that has like this time specific element to it because you can only extend it for every ninety days. This is not that type of situation. Um, last they they dealt with this last December, uh, December fourteenth in twenty twenty one, and as you said, basically it's kind of like. Uh, I hate to use this example, but it's kind of like the bank giving you a credit card and telling you this is how much your credit spending limit is, um, and the government proceeds to charge things on that credit card, and you eventually hit that limit, and then you have to go back to the bank and ask them for um, a higher limit. Now, um, that's and I think the I think the um, the magic number is $31.4 trillion is the borrowing limit right now. I'm not exactly sure when we're set to hit that, um, but I know it's it's not it's not far away. It's, it, it will be something that kind of occurs within 2023. And so they've got to really get prepared to do that. And the catch is going to be really whether the House Republicans let them do it before, the or even Senate Republicans as well, before they lose control over the House, the Democrats will lose control of the House. Yeah, and so the, the, the nuance here, or I guess that's not even a nuance, that the, the challenge is that if you, let's just use your household, um, expenses or household budget as the example, because I think it's a good one, is you have 
in addition to increasing what you can borrow to sort of make sure you move forward from a financial perspective, you either have to increase revenue or cut expense. And in addition to borrowing, the only way you can increase revenue is through raising taxes, which is obviously something that most Republicans have pledged not to do, and many Democrats are in districts where that would be very difficult. So at this moment in time, you know, unless you're around the margins with things like user fees, you don't have a lot of flexibility there. And then on the expense side, while we talk a lot about appropriations, which is focused on the discretionary part of the budget, things like the National Institutes of Health or the Department of Veterans Affairs the, in the Department of Defense, the, the big piece of the federal budget is entitlement programs, particularly Social Security and Medicare. And the way those work, as we've talked about before, is Congress, they sort of automatically continue forward unless Congress does specific things to cut them or change them. And that raises another issue, of course, which is kind of what's likely to happen with the potential cuts in Medicare Part B reimbursement as of January 1st. So I want to get to that issue next, but we've kind of got three. I know that the cliche around a perfect storm is three storms coming together, but we've got the situation with the continuing resolution and appropriating funding for programs like the, the, the National Institutes of Health and the Department of Veterans Affairs. We have this big situation with the debt ceiling and being able to borrow so we can continue to fund a lot of aspects of the government. And then we have these coming challenges with entitlement programs, particularly reimbursement for nephrologists and other health professionals. So how do you see this all playing out? Or do you want to get into the issues around the Part B cuts? Like, where do you want to go? There's a lot to go. Well, I would. the one thing I would ask, uh, add to your perfect storm you know, mix to the recipe is um, unprecedented inflation from, for, since 40 years ago. Just really incredibly strong inflation, which is really putting a squeeze on the entire process in other ways. And it definitely, and you, you put that into a process that Congress has set up of budget neutrality, and it really does begin to become really kind of sticky. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, we've been talking about a lot lately, as you know, um, because there, there are cuts that are look we are all looking at in healthcare. Some of are, you know, gonna be across the board for healthcare. Uh some are going to be more detrimental in in the space of kidney care and nephrology. Um <clears throat> and I, I'm couching all this because what has happened is the government through Medicare and its regulation of Medicare has gone into and made adjustments in where things are reimbursed on the physician payment level and some other issues. And they have an overall cap that has to remain budget neutral given to them by Congress. So even though they don't necessarily have this in mind, what happens is as you make, as you start to shuffle these pieces around, you end up with kind of cuts coming along that just are happening because they, they just have been cumulative and they're building up. So, one of them is something called the uh, Medicare Physician Conversion Factor, and that is used in the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule. Um, and as we know, nephrologists bill a lot into Medicare, um, so it's pretty much a very much you know an important thing. Um, this was uh, this was set to go into effect uh, a little over well over a year ago, um, 
and it was a, and Congress stepped in and made a three percent positive adjustment. Now, that's not has not been that has not been uh, extended. At the moment, what that would mean is is that there will be a four point four seven percent reduction in Medicare physician um, uh, fee payments uh, by the conversion factor. Not necessarily meaning that each nephrologist will get a 4.47% um, reduction, but that that will be applied across um, the, the whole Medicare physician fee schedule. Right now, nephrology looks like it's about almost at a break even for what they propose. But there's also what we talked about before, so it's pay as you go, and that that sequester has been lifted during the pandemic a couple times, and now it is set to take effect in 2023. That takes another 4% out of what Medicare can, can pay. So you're beginning to see um, a lot of different things here um, that really are going to be just piling up. The other one is, is that we have had a 5% payment bonus uh, to nephrologists who were in alternative payment models. Um, and uh, some of those are also in the kidney uh, care models. That is that five percent uh, payment bonus is set to expire, so that also would effectively be a cut to people. So there's a lot of different ways in which you can look at this that really have some concerns about those cuts. We have been working very hard um, also on the whole issue of the clinical labor cuts which really have to do with non-facilities that are performing certain procedures in offices and in buildings that are not in the hospital. And what will be of most significant is um, uh, vascular access surgery. Uh, It's very much impacted by this. And those are set starting in 2023 to receive cuts over the next four years that would reach uh, all the way up to 14%. And that has people very, very, very concerned. So this is what we're hoping. We're hoping that some of these, or if not all of these, uh, well, we'd like all of them to be addressed by Congress in December. And would that be the vehicle, if Congress were to pass legislation to overturn or to address the Supreme Court decision in Marietta versus DeVita, is that where you think it would occur within some sort of omnibus package related to to both the the part b challenges and the the clinical labor cuts that would have been a good bet a couple months ago and we've we've talked about this uh on the podcast several times um about addressing what happened in the supreme court decision um a lot has changed in the last couple of months politically on this situation the landscape for passage of that may in 2022, that window is closing. It may, it may close fast, in which case you would have to do something different. You wouldn't be able to attach these to that. And kind of in actuality, I think that in the last couple of Congresses, they have demonstrated more of an interest in doing that in standalone piece. So I think, I'm guessing if they were going to do this, it would probably be done almost as a standalone if they could not get the um, appropriations packages, then they do it as a, a standalone uh, to address what the CR could not address. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, I guess quickly, what what do you think has changed in the environment over the last couple months? I think the employer plans have really, really stressed 
the message of this would be in effect uh, a tax increase on the average worker through their employer plan. And that has really unsettled a lot of people who were very much in favor of making um, this adjustment and making this correction back after the Supreme Court made its decision. Um, so that has become a, a little bit problematic. And I think, you know, I think the window for it getting passed in December may be closing, if not closed, but who knows. So let me just to kind of take a step back before we close. And, and, and I know it's more complicated than A versus B, but one way to think about health policy is in general issues tend to be between the hospitals and the physicians or the hospitals and the health professionals. Is what you're saying in terms of a potential congressional response to Marietta that at this moment in time, the dialysis community, particularly the dialysis organizations, are being pitted, if you will, against the insurance plans, and, and that that's the tension? Yes, yes. Uh, and, and primarily the employee um, plans, uh, employer-employee plans, as opposed to just the big giants. Um, and so that's, that's, a, that's a niche that it's not a real comfortable position for a lot of members of Congress as they look at this this issue. The dynamics have just shifted, and I just don't feel like there's as much um, kind of like inclination as there was back, you know, a couple months ago to get this done, and we shall see. There's also the possibility that it may not be scored by the Congressional Budget Office the way we had expected the CBO to score it. And for those in our audience who've, who've been following these issues for a while, that was always the challenge with the immunosuppressive drug coverage, that it was hard to get Congress to focus on that issue because of the way CBO scored it. And they have a very, and that's the Congressional Budget Office, they have a very sort of arcane approach and it's, it's, it's hard to sort of predict what they're going to do. So I'll give you the last word, but before I do, I'm struck that we have two perfect storms that we're dealing with as we try to navigate the lame duck session. On the one hand, the first perfect storm is the continuing resolution, the debt ceiling, the Medicare Part B reimbursement cuts, and the clinical labor cuts. The second perfect storm has to do with inflation, shifting policy out of certain policies related to COVID-19, trying to address the Marietta versus DeVita decision and what we haven't talked about, but I think is part of this perfect storm, the increase in the number of, of dialysis patients on Medicare Advantage plans. Am I seeing this correctly? Because that's a lot in a, in a very, you know, that's happening at the same time. It is. And I will tell you what's going to get thrown in with it. Well, along with the inflation, I think what we'll also get thrown into it is assistance for Ukraine. And while you say, well, that's not related, it's a much smaller checkbook on Capitol Hill than it seems because the numbers are so large um, and there's, there's less room to play around the edges. So um, I think there's going to be some real hard choices made about where they think they need to step in and, and make a difference. Well, David, that's a lot. And I'd, I'd like to end on a, a positive note, which is congressional support for the Respect for Marriage Act. Um, you know, I, I think you know, at the same time that there are all these challenges, it does seem as though the, the the House and the Senate are working towards some some universal goals that I think we would all be supportive of. 
Well, Todd, you know, that issue is one that's near and dear to my heart. I have really had some of my faith restored by the actions of Congress in, in the last um, couple of days. And I'm really glad I will keep my fingers crossed until it's sitting on the president's desk and he signs it. But uh, thank you for bringing that up. It is truly a, a ray of sunshine right now. Thank you, David. And um, I look forward to talking to you again this month and um, continuing this discussion. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare professional if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the American Society of Nephrology.